Ring, ring! It's time for another episode of Crossplay Conversations, the show where we dive deep into the world of video games while keeping it light. I'm your host, Luke Lewis, and this week I am joined by the one and only, the Wii U Wonder Kid, it's Jacob McCourt. So Joseph Hooper isn't here, so Joseph Hooper normally on the video version of the podcast, which you should look at it on YouTube, uh, he pulls a shoot out because he is the secret mm-hmm. spot. As the Wii U Wonder Kid, I have a new Wii U game that I want to show off oh uh, for the video version. Uh, this is Sing, Sing Party, Party. Wow. for Wii U. I purchased it at the price box. tag. Do we you have some see. peripherals happening in this, uh, yes. this here box? So really, really weird. This was $10 Canadian, so imagine okay. it was like 7 or $8 US. Um, the box was a little bit... Like, not in the best shape, but everything okay. inside the box is still wrapped and new. Wow. This okay. is from the DJ Hero people. This is from Freestyle Games. Oh. Yeah. I DJ Hero back in the mm-hmm. day. I thought that was very fun. Okay. Well, so we'll there you need go. a full report on that. Are you going to play it, or are you going to leave it mint in box for <laughs> That's going to go on the collector. shelf. It's not the only new video game I have on okay. my shelf, so I have others to nice. play first. Nice. Love that. Was not prepared for that. That's great. I brought um, props anyway, today. Love it. How, how are you doing? How are things? Things are good. How's life? Uh, life is good. Life is grand. You know, we're making it through. I'm going to see you very shortly. By the time yeah, this come out, comes out, I will almost that. be in your general direction. We're going to do a thing that we may love talk it. about on a future episode of the show. But uh, I'm excited to talk about these new video games. I've played one of them. You've played both. But I want to hear more yeah, about Yeah, I, I am one too. That you've so we have, we have two how are you? big... I'm doing well. I'm doing well. There's been this this episode is a long time in the making. It was going to happen in earlier iterations, um, but it's also worth noting that this is also going up as a lukewarm games episode along with crossplay conversations um, because part of this review was originally going to be a lukewarm games episode, but my lovely co-host Claire um, got sick, and then Joseph got sick, and then I'm fighting off a cold. But this is. The the impressions we're going to deliver today are that important that we're just putting it out everywhere people get their podcasts. So either feed, check it out, support it. Um, but without further ado, we're going to be talking about Pacific Drive and Ultros, which are both two indie games that we've talked about on multiple podcasts over the years, played demos at PAXs and Steam Next Fests and different coverage opportunities. And um, we finally got our hands on the full final review builds a little early heading into release. So we'll be talking all about that. But before that, Jacob, let's jump into our icebreaker question. I wanted to talk about what makes a video game setting compelling. Foreshadowing into these two indies we're talking about, they're very unique, they're very distinct, and they take place in some unusual places. So I wanted to talk about what you think contributes to making a, a compelling video game setting. Yeah, it, it's really funny because you could really take this in like the fidelity um, sort of side of the spectrum or like the lived-in side of the spectrum. Uh, when I think of fidelity, I, I very much think of something like Pacific Drive where like it's weird and like dense from the demos that I've played. And so like it's compelling in that way, in like the fidelity way. But then there's also stuff that uh, is just like, it's so evocative in its art and its writing and its music. You know, I think of something like a coffee talk, like coffee talk is so compelling because you can, you can almost feel where you are. Like you are in the Pacific Northwest, you are in a coffee shop, you are in a place where, you know, you're not just going to deal with humans uh, and you're, you know, brewing some good coffee with the steam coming off the coffee. So like, I think that you can get compelling in either way, but it's like, is this space lived in? Is this space dense worth like dense 
full of stuff like that's what i typically look for is that kind of how you think about it or do you think about it differently yeah i i would say so i think you touch on um like that sense of place and like making you make it making it feel lived in and i think that really um resonates with me i think about games like um gone home for example where like or the original bioshock where like those two were like really pillars in like environmental storytelling for me and like kind of just the way i perceive games and settings and um i think there's a lot you can do with the setting of a game and you mentioned things like art direction and how that also is influenced by the setting because i think there are games that like in terms of like story and like overall substance are kind of like on the back burner but if the Mm -hmm. art style and just the overall tone and vibe are there that can also be a compelling setting so it's Mm -hmm. for me it's like either narratively compelling or it's like stylistically compelling so i think it's like hitting on both of those things which i think the two games that we're going to talk about today are are doing different things with with each of those components so yeah i mean the only other thing i can think of is like i think of recreations of real places is also yeah. like an interesting thing that is compelling. That's like sort of a third category. I think of like Soma uh, recreates Toronto, which for me is like uh, really close to home. Uh, but even like something like Spider-Man Two with all the boroughs sure. that I've been to, some of them where I'm just like, this this is a real place that's been reproduced so beautifully. Um, it's vibrant. There are a lot of people in it. Uh, yeah. So like that just that draws me in. You're like, I please talk having... about more Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh no, I was gonna say I have a. A similar thought too with um, Last of Us Part Two. Like my folks yes. lived in Seattle for multiple years, and I lived in Tacoma for for five plus years, and so I'm very Pacific Northwest familiar. And so seeing like Ellie fighting dudes in like a dilapidated version of the downtown Seattle Nike store, or like the <laughs> Seattle Aquarium, or little yeah. things like that, that it's like weird little touch points that I have that you know someone who's never been to seattle would have no idea but like it's really cool when games take that level of like authenticity to like ground you in realism or at the very least ground you like in that experience they're trying to showcase Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. cool all right i think we need to get right into things so i'm gonna hand the host chair duties over to you um only because we decided since i've played quite a bit of both of these titles um, i'll be our quote-unquote lead reviewer here and um, we can go back and forth and kind of talk through these different titles but we're going to kick things off with pacific drive so take it away yeah and i think maybe maybe we we just once again shout out the folks at, at kepler interactive for yeah absolutely. like sending sending the the code for pacific drive early which is fantastic we'll do more shout outs later um but uh i want to know off off the hop i'm sure folks have seen this like heavily um anticipated game uh you know coming to playstation 5 steam epic game store um from ironwood studios what is the premise of pacific drive yeah so at a base level pacific drive is a driving simulator survival game it's Mm -hmm. run based and you are in the olympic peninsula in the 1980s and there is this big mystery at play because the area has been sealed off by the government because of these crazy supernatural anomalies that are happening so your character um there's not a ton of story set up right at the beginning but you're thrust into things and you have your trusty station wagon that you have to repair and upgrade as you go 
and you are tasked with um, assisting scientists in this inclusion exclusion zone to mm -hmm. uncover this mystery, uh, figure out what's going on, and also just survive these crazy anomalies. So you're driving your station wagon around through all these crazy supernatural weather-based runs and that's where we kind of get into some roguelite elements with some heavy simulation elements and it's just a at a base level this game caught my eye because it's set in the pacific northwest it's it's weird and quirky and different and unique i was thinking about the best way to describe this game earlier today when before we started recording and i came up with three words i think it's quirky i think it's cool and i think it's compelling Okay. So I, I think this is a this is a game that um, has some quirks, has some weird things, has a bit of a learning curve. But if you're willing to commit, the vibes are immaculate and the experience you'll have as a result of your time with the game is unlike a lot of. I can't think of many games like this. There are elements grabbed from different genres, but it, it's a pretty unique experience, which is really cool to see. Before we dive in about specific yeah. mechanics and your overall sure. thoughts, um, how'd you play? How much time have you played on this one so far? Sure. So I was playing on PC. I played with a DualSense controller just since mm -hmm. this one was pretty heavily PlayStation branded. Um, mm -hmm. So I played with a DualSense controller and yeah, it ran really well. It's, it'll also be available on PlayStation day and date um, on Steam and the Epic Game Store. But I played through Steam. I guess that's also worth noting, but mm -hmm. similar versions between pc ports and i think you said before we started that you played for about nine hours so far yeah give or take it's a little tricky because i did about four hours during the preview period mm -hmm. so i i played that and then i also played nine hours on the retail build and then i did oh, a couple shoot. preview sessions i interviewed um the creative director of the game at pax west this year alex draycott so i i've gotten like a lot of information and time with the game over the years but mm -hmm. it's been nice to sit down these past the past week or so and have the full game and check things out more in depth. So, you know, driving game slash survival game, but it's run based. So I don't want to say roguelike, but like maybe has a little bit of that. Um, what, what are your overall thoughts on it? I am really pretty impressed with the game. I think I, I have enjoyed every time I played the game in preview form, but the more I played it, for longer periods of time, I started to kind of peel back the layers of the onion and I was more impressed at a lot of the systems that are mm -hmm. at play. I think at a cursory glance, it's kind of hard to see everything the game is doing. And I, I think there is a bit of a learning curve. Then there are things that aren't totally intuitive on how to do them. And we can get into specifics and things. Mm -hmm. I think the UI is a bit trouble, hard to navigate at times if you don't know exactly what you need to click on or what item you're searching for or that sort of thing, or like where to craft an item, like the game does a good job of onboarding you, but like it's a lot of systems right at the beginning that it's like, it takes a few runs. It takes a few, few hours for me to kind of like feel like I'm really like capable of understanding what I need to be doing to, to mm -hmm. succeed. But when the game is fi firing on all cylinders, I think it's a really, really compelling loop. I think the driving feels purposely clunky at the yep. beginning because you're driving a station wagon, you're driving a station wagon. And I think there's something really novel and fun about that. Mm -hmm. But as you continue to play, you continue to find parts, you, you research different parts for your car. You can use the fabricator to upgrade things. And I became really attached to my car, which they said in marketing speak. And it's one of those things that's like, okay, that 
I, I, I hope that that happens. And I've, yeah. I felt like it did, which I think is a really a big accomplishment to the game that like over time, if something happened within the environment that wrecked my car in a given run or I had to repair stuff, I was like, I felt I felt that it was like Red Dead Redemption's horse. You know, it was like <laughs> it, it felt that personal to me at a, at a certain point. But yeah, I, I'm having a blast with the game. I'm nine hours in. I want to keep playing. I think I'm somewhat close to an ending though it's one of those games that you can continue to upgrade, continue to play, um, continue to go out on runs and just experience the world even after you've completed the narrative. So, but, but yeah, really enjoying my time with it. So your, your car is obviously like your, your central um, item that you sort of um, make sure to protect and, and use to drive around. Um, do you keep any sort of progression on your car between runs or is it very much like you got to restart every time that you're um you you don't survive a run you're not restarting every run which i think is why they don't automatically always throw out the roguelite term but it 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 uses a run-based mechanic so you are going out on these different drives but I, I like how they structure that gameplay loop because if you spend a lot of time upgrading your car and you're very intentional about it, you want to be able to have that ability going forward. Um, but what they do do is if you wreck your car, if you abandon your car on a run, if you if you fuck up, basically, they do make you like pay for that in terms of like progression with your car. Like it if you drive your car off a cliff and it gets wrecked, like when you bring it back to the shop at the end of that run, your car is going to be wrecked and you have to fix it. If you're very meticulous during your run and you're evading all these obstacles and you're planning out your route to be really safe and you're repairing your car as you go and you're scavenging for parts and you're, you're playing the game, I think how they want you to play it. Your each run is getting progressively better and better. And you're maintaining the car more over time rather than like starting over each time. But my first few runs, I definitely felt like I was starting over each time because I wasn't taking as much time to scavenge. I was going mm -hmm. straight to the mission because I found the narrative, which we'll get into pretty yep. compelling. And so I wanted to see what was happening, but the game really wants you to stop, take your time, explore, scavenge, craft, make sure your car is ready because mm -hmm. otherwise you're, you're going to get wrecked. And that's, I think, a, a, the challenge where you want to see what's happening with the story, but you really have to engage with the survival aspect in order to, I think, have a have a fun experience, the fun moments. I got to play this one at PAX as well. So I've got like about 30 minutes of experience. So I unfortunately didn't get to do multiple runs. I've only done one. Um, so you talked about how your car sort of maintains progression, but how do you progress the story in this one? without like any major spoilers of course. Sure. Um so I think this is a narrative where the less you know the better because it is okay. cool to unfold. Um narrative is delivered to you through characters over the radio. So mm. I think I could I'll talk about the bait the very beginning of the game and then I won't mention like specifics but um you come out of this big cataclysmic event and things are happening and you 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 get to safety and you're at an auto shop, which is owned by a former scientist that was trapped in the zones conducting experiments over the last few decades. So mm -hmm. she's like your main point of contact. And then you get introduced to other people who are living in the zones as well mm -hmm. that were former scientists. So they're kind of your like what grounds the narrative and unfolding like what happened 
20 years ago, how things got to where they are now. Can your character influence or, or help or support or figure out what the heck is going on with this mystery? So it's all shrouded in this like really cool, like, you know, it definitely harkens back to things like Stranger Things or Twin Peaks or even Alan Wake in yep. just like Pacific Northwest, mm-hmm. mysterious, spooky, weird, quirky. It The dialogue is really fun and funny. And voice acting I, good? I, yes, voice acting is real solid. And um, another thing that wasn't a part of the early, early demos that I did at PAX, but mm-hmm. was a part of the preview build and is a part of the, the full game. Um, the voice acting and the music. So there's a, a ton of licensed, cool, like cool. vibey indie music that I, I haven't had a game be so satisfying to see like rain on your windshield while you're driving. As in this yep. game, you're driving around, you have the vibey soundtrack on someone pops on the, the radio to give you an update about what your mission is and what mm-hmm. happened in that area 20 years ago and different things. And it's like, I think that's where the game is at its best and that part of it wasn't shown to public until mm. very recently. So I think that really came about for me in the preview period when, when I got hands-on f- for multiple hours. Any standouts in um, the indie music that you sort of listen to? All good, if not. Uh, but I know also confirm this for me. I believe there's a streamer mode for those that are concerned about uh, yes. licensed music on stream. Yes, there definitely is a streamer mode. I can't call out specific tracks, but just I would say the overall style, like there's different tones, there's a variety, there's there's upbeat stuff, there's, you know, more chill and you you can change between stuff. And so, so I, yeah, I found that really, really fun and added a nice little layer to it. There's a there's a supernatural element to this, um, mm-hmm. you know, whether um, there's also... I don't know if I want to say like some of the stuff that you experience in the world to inanimate objects that just sort of show up in the world. But like, can you give the listener sort of a flavor of, you know, the supernatural that you'll experience in this? Yeah. So what's cool about it is I've played eight hours and each run has felt very distinct. Mm -hmm. Like the weather will be different. The time of day will be different. And what you encounter in terms of enemies or supernatural stuff will be different. Mm-hmm. Um, it's worth noting with the enemies that you're not like engaging in combat. It's more about evasion and mm-hmm. there's any, any number of creepy things or like interesting, weird things. And you get to scan and kind of document it as a part of your scientific research, which I, mm-hmm. it, which adds a fun element to it. Kind of akin to like a Pokemon snap or bug snacks or like cool. Subnautica where you're like kind of filling out learning more about the world. And then there's also a lot of um, circling back to your question. There's a lot of cool environmental storytelling where you're picking up notes and different things along the way too, which, which Mm -hmm. add to everything. But to answer your question about the supernatural stuff, there's a ton of variety thus far. There's like a giant creature that can pick up your car using a giant magnet and fling Mm -hmm. you. There's like creepy mannequin dolls that look. That's what I was going to bring up. Unharmful. There's, um my least favorite but also most interesting are these um like electric or fire based like balls of metal that'll just come catapulting out of the sky onto you and you have to throw your car and park hop out pull them off and then just fling them away Mm -hmm. from your car and then keep driving and little things like that like they make compelling ways to like 
oh, I got to go off road now. I'm going to go down this hill instead of staying on the road to evade this like electrical storm that I'm seeing in front of me. Or, oh, I see that giant monster magnet creature looming in the distance. I'm going to go the opposite direction. And so you kind of have to like get strategic with your routes. And um, that's another element that'll be changed based on runs is each area will have like a different level of instability. So sometimes it'll just be like crazy hellscape storm enemies Mm -hmm. everywhere you really got to gear up your car before you go out here or it'll be like a chill sunny day where there's like an enemy off in the distance but you can pretty easily avoid if you just take a left instead of a right which you're like if you're paying attention um how does it denote the instability is it like a, a a bar or does it tell you before your run starts how does that work um there's like a there it, the ui is pretty cool in a sense that um on the dashboard of your car, you'll see different mm-hmm. things. So you can track it that way, but it'll also tell you each run you do, you'll have a map back mm-hmm. in the garage that you select like which route you're going on and where you're going to go. And at that point, it'll tell you like what the instability is before you head into that cool. run. And there'll be points where like on a given run, you have to get to a story mission. So you have to go through like three consecutive areas to get to the like think of like a boss area where it's like the big story moment, the big payoff, the thing you're working up to. So you're, you're going through each area progressively to get to that area. And maybe you can go through a really unstable area and it'll be faster, but it'll also be harder, but you could go around a different way takes longer, but avoid that conflict and maybe make it out in better shape with your car. There's even like the, the ground, like, Speaking of literal instability, yeah. like the ground can shift too, right? Am yeah. I? Yeah, yeah. And that's that. The other element to to mention is that there's a mechanic in the game where you have to collect what's called an arc device in order mm-hmm. to escape the area to get back to the workshop at the end of your runs. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we get into this interesting balance where the runs can be as short or as long as you want. Like you could go just out on a run to scavenge for parts and then go back mm-hmm. to the garage and upgrade stuff. Or you can stay out longer and do these narrative missions and progress mm-hmm. through multiple areas. But once you're done and you're ready to head back, you use the arc device. But you have to find the arc device in each area and at the, the spots where the arc device change each run. And then you have to go through a portal that could be located anywhere on the map. And once you okay. activate the arc device, it tells you where to go. But so in that moment, as soon as you activate the arc device instability ensues and you have to drive basically all the way across the map to wherever that portal is. And Mm -hmm. so it makes for these like cool, like high speed, low speed station wagon Mm -hmm. chases that like are really compelling. And it's like, Oh shit. Oh shit. Am I going to make it? And I've had tons where it's like, well, I accidentally drove off a cliff and now my car battery is fried and I ran out of gas or what, you know, like any number of things can happen. But I've also had equal numbers of moments where it's like, freaking awesome movie moment go over the the ramp on the semi truck into yeah. the portal and i make it back to safety and only have 10 percent of my health left and we got it and we did it and so there's like it, it's it's a fun balance and it's a fun um fun loop to keep going through but it can be punishing at times if you don't take the time to prepare for your runs which i would mm-hmm. say is what i was doing very early on and i was tending to get a little frustrated with the game but once i Every time I saw a trailer, every time I saw an abandoned house, an abandoned car, and I started scrapping for metal and collecting all these resources to engage in the like deep crafting system, that's when I was like, oh, this is what I was missing the first like hour or two 
with the game was, what was you, really engaging with that. What are you crafting mostly? Is it upgrades for so, your car mostly? Yeah, upgrades for your car and then tools and different things that you can use within the world. And mm-hmm. it's really deep. Like there's a, there's a lot you can do. You can upgrade every part of your car and you're changing tires and bumpers and decals and you know, you can get a bobblehead to put on your dashboard and different things, but it really, the car handling feels different. If you have Mm. fully inflated tires that were repaired, if you have steel doors versus um, the basic doors that you start with, like you notice that, Oh, I'm, I'm taking more damage. I'm lasting longer out in the world, like things like that. Um, And then you can research and find different blueprints to unlock new items. Like today when I was playing, I found um, this item, this essentially it's kind of a weapon that Mm -hmm. you fire at um, a structure or a car that you want to salvage from Mm -hmm. and it explodes. And then you don't have to do anything. You can just pick up the resources because it's like, takes everything apart for you otherwise you you can build devices like the scrapper which is like this Mm -hmm. big saw that you can go in and like saw tires to get rubber parts or you can yeah that's when all the salvaging comes into play or you can build a crowbar to then break into old medical cabinets in these like tents and and different things and so that part I found really fun. Like I, I really liked building the tools. It felt kind of half-life esque. You're running around mm. with your crowbar doing stuff like that. That I think is, is really, really fun. And then it is really fun to go back to your garage and be like, Oh my God, I, I haven't had doors on my car in three <laughs> runs. Like I, I can finally like survive this big mission mm-hmm. that I've been working towards is you get doors on your car. You can finally put the, the like wallpaper decals on because now you have doors you can put bumpers on your car maybe you can finally upgrade your tires like Mm -hmm. you can get off-road tires for your station wagon so that in those key gameplay moments where you do go off-road you're not fucked like you can Mm -hmm. you can maintain that and different things like that so like game-changing things that like i was really surprised in a sense of like when i started looking through the fabricator which is the device you use to unlock blueprints and different things um just how many iterations of tires, how many iterations of doors, how many iterations of each object was. And then early on, it was clear that like, oh, these aren't like superfluous, like plus five upgrades. These are like actually change how the car feels in in my hands right now, which is cool. That's a, that's a good point you bring up. Um, You know, when I think of simulation driving, because I think you said that way early, like that sort of for me is, is a little bit scary. So I want to know, yeah. you said also said the words, it can be punishing at times. Um, is that because of the driving? Is that because of the survival game elements? Um, so I'd love to know, tell me about the driving. Is it punishing? If not, yeah. what is the part that is more punishing? It's an interesting balance that they walk. And I think ultimately they end up in a good balance between the two, but I don't think this game will be for everybody. Ultimately, I personally think the driving feels fun and interesting. And I think especially with dual sense in hand, it is cool to feel the haptics and different things on the adaptive triggers and feel that tension as you're, you know, puttering out of gas or it may be, you know, flying through the air or what have you in different scenarios. But I think the challenge comes from, for me, it's the survival aspects more so than the driving. I don't think the driving inhibits anything, but I think if you don't take the time to craft upgrade and maintain your car, 
the driving will be very challenging, very insufferable in ways in that, oh, this isn't fun when my tires are blown out, I don't have enough gas, all my doors are missing, so all these enemy projectiles are hitting me. Like, mm-hmm. it can be frustrating if you don't take the time, but I, I think if you are intentional about it, it it's really fun once you get a handle of the loop. And they have things in place that I think lessen that frustration. They have, mm-hmm. I call it the magical dumpster outside of the <laughs> auto body shop, where essentially after each run, three times you can go up to the dumpster and it'll just spit out random parts, items or objects Mm -hmm. or tools you need. Yep. And nine times out of 10, it's exactly the thing you need. Mm -hmm. Like, Hmm. Oh, I don't have enough plastic to get rubber or repair putty, which I need to repair my engine, go to the dumpster. You get the plastic you need for the repair putty or what have you. So there's little things that lessen it where they're like, I had a situation where like, I forget what it was. I think like, oh no, I do remember. Um, the magnet monster in a run took my engine, literally yep. ripped the Incredible. engine out of the car. Okay. Cool. And so I get back to the auto shop and I'm like, well, I don't have enough parts to craft mm-hmm. a new engine. What am I going to do? Yep. And I go to the dumpster. It spits out a very basic engine so I can at least get my car up and running again and go on a run to get more parts. And it's like, okay, they're not trying to screw you over. They're not trying to make this like a horrible, unforgivable Dark Souls experience, but they do want it to be a little challenging. They do want it to be, um, they do want there to be some tension of like, mm-hmm. do you brave and go through that electrical minefield or do you turn left and take the safer route? Like they do want that choice to really matter. And I think that part of it's really cool that it, you know, I think there are a lot of survival games where you punch trees and go about your day. (laughs) And I think this game really has a lot of stakes and I I think that's really cool for it. But I I think it's just something folks need to be aware of going in. So they don't think it's like a breezy um, car narrative game. Like there's some, there's some survival elements to this that you, I, I, I think you need to be a fan of survival in order to enjoy everything the game has to offer. But I think mm-hmm. if you love the vibe and the style and you're willing to give it a shot, I think it, it's really worth your time. Uh, a couple of quick fire questions. And yeah. then I, I want to hit you with the hit you with the big one. Um, Let's do it. First person driving. Yep. Um, how do you feel about first person driving in general and how does it apply in this game? Cause I know first person driving isn't for everybody. Sure. Um, that's a that's a good point that I actually hadn't thought of until right now. Historically, I love a good third third person camera angle driving. If it's Grand Theft Auto, if it's Forza Horizon, like I, mm-hmm. I love to see the car. I love to see yep. myself making the turns. I think for this game, first person works really well because you are really dependent on the dashboard of your car, mm-hmm. and they do a, a pretty cool thing, which at first I thought was tedious. But then after I started doing it a lot, I was like, no, this makes sense for the style of the game where in the, the passenger seat of your car, you have a TV mm-hmm. monitor with a map. Mm, and so cool. you're constantly glancing back and forth to see if you're on the right track with your map. And it's just little touches like that with the first person simulation where like you look up at your rear view mirror and you actually see cool real time game in game footage or like same in your side mirrors and little things like that. Or like when the rain hits your windshield or something comes flying at you, like I think all of that just hits that much more in a first person setting. And that helps with that immersion. And in terms of like 
like we talked about at the top of the show, like grounding you in this engaging, compelling place. Like I, I think first person is like essential for this game. You talked about how um, each run is a little bit different depending on like what you decide mm-hmm. to take on in that run. But if you had to like put an average and say like, you know, this is a short run and this is a long run, like what should players expect for each of their runs? So it, it's up to you in a sense, like I was saying. So if mm-hmm. you find an arc device early on and you just want to do a bit of scavenging and then head back after a few minutes, you can. Mm. I found myself gravitating towards really long runs, like more in the like 45 minute range because oh. I was going out like scavenging everything and also trying to progress the story simultaneously. Granted, I was playing it with kind of like a reviewer pace mindset of like, mm-hmm. I have a couple di- full days with this game. Let's let's see how far I can make it. And so you don't have to do it that way. There might be you might find more enjoyment taking your time a little bit more and finding more resources and taking more time to upgrade your car. Um, because as I was saying, my early time with the game was a little frustrating because I was like, man, my car is just like getting wrecked and it's not getting better. It's only getting yep. worse. I don't have any doors on this thing. What yep. am I going to do? Um, but once I slowed down a little bit, I actually in turn made more progress with the story mm. because my car was more equipped for these like bigger longer runs but i think you could take it at your own pace but i don't think this is like a i for me personally this wouldn't be like a i pop on for 15 minutes type of game this is like i have some time this evening i'm gonna sink into it i'm gonna do a couple runs back to back but you don't have to play it that way but i think that's kind of how it makes the most sense so, so you've already sort of talked about the, the the caveats or like what sort of players um you know should look at or uh, look at Pacific Drive. But I guess I want to know, like, what is your final verdict on it? Um, and how much more time do you think you're going to you're going to put into it? For sure. Um, I think my overall final verdict, I, I definitely want to roll credits on the narrative. I want to see where the story goes. And I would like to see kind of how far I can go with my car. I think about it in a similar way as my tugboat and dredge and how satisfying <laughs> yep. it was to fully upgrade my engine and get mm-hmm. the best um, fishing setup and like the damage you could do with your, your rig. Like I kind of approach Pacific drive in a similar way of like, I do want to see kind of what that upgrade path looks like. We're in a busy season for reviews. Um, so I don't know how long I'll stick with it, but I definitely envision like a few more nights to see the narrative through explore the upgrade path a little more. Um, but I definitely highly recommend this game. I think, if listeners, if you've been interested in the game, if you got a chance to check out the demo, it's also worth noting that I know Ironwood Studios mentioned that they would have the demo up for a couple days after the game's launch that was available during Steam Next Fest. So if you'd like to just give it a try and just see if it's your thing, that'll be an option. But I think this is a game that's like, if you think it's your thing, it's definitely your thing. If you're curious about it, it's probably your thing. And if you really don't think it's for you, that's probably okay. Does that make sense? No, that totally makes sense. It is it is like a very good survival game that like the simulation racing or the simulation driving like shouldn't, you know, scare anyone at all. If anything, the supernatural elements are going to be scary ones, but it is like a very sure. good survival game, unique setting, uh, a mystery still to be unraveled. Uh, so sounds dope. Like I'm definitely going to yeah. check that one out. Um, again, it's also that's worth... Pacific- Oh, sorry. No, just no. one more one more note. I mm-hmm. as like the Pacific Northwest boy on this pod, yeah. I have to say, like, 
it is really cool to see like a supernatural version of that setting and coming off of Alan Wake 2 like I love that we're getting more games just like getting weird in the PN dubs and I think this game does a really good job with that the pn dubs let's go the vibes are immaculate is what you're saying the pn dubs the vibes, vibes are, are the vibes are immaculate I, I really enjoy my time this is one that like we're still super early in the year so like who knows what'll happen in the next few months but like Whoop, go i could see this sliding into my top 10 i could Woo-hoo! see it nice I, okay you know i'm thinking about games from this past year and like how much this resonated with me and i think i really enjoyed being a part of like the PAX coverage and preview coverage and now review coverage and seeing the game get into people's hands. Like I have a soft spot in my heart for this game, but I think I still, I'm still trying to be like critical and fair, but I, I do really love what this team has put together. And I think it's a special, special Especially one. Cause I, I believe it's their first game too, right? Yes. Yeah. It crazy. Is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy. Um, well, uh, that's Pacific drive. Uh, it is out by the time you're hearing this uh, on the 22nd. So you don't have to wait long, uh, PS five and on PC, it's out on steam and Epic game store. Um, so, uh, the verdict is in, uh, it is check this one out. Heck yeah. Luke, we're here to talk about a second game. Uh, one that, uh, you've played a little bit more than I have. I've played about 45 minutes and you've played how many hours did you say on this one? Six or seven, eight ish, give or take. Eight ish. Yeah. Okay. This is but Ultros. there's a caveat, and we can get into specifics with my hour count, but... Okay, okay. I, I have questions, Okay, uh, but I will get <laughs> into it. Um, this one is uh, Ultros. Uh, this one, again, uh, comes to us um, thanks to our friends at Kepler Interactive for sending us both codes for this one. Uh, and the um, developers on this one is uh, Hadouk. Hadouk? How do you say this one? I think that's correct. I'm, pr- yeah. I'm pretty sure. Or, yeah, let's. We're gonna go with that. We're gonna go with Hadok, uh, and I believe funding from uh, from Kowloon Knights as well. Uh, this one's Ultros. It is a Metroidvania, uh, but in a very, very, very unique setting. Um, I'm not gonna say the thing I, I, I used to describe this until we get into it. Uh, but Luke, what are your general? Uh, what, what's the general premise of, of Ultros? I don't want to like diminish it. So like sure, I'm gonna I'm gonna read the quick description yeah. from the pre- directly from the press kit because I think it does a good job like succinctly getting to the core of what this game is. So Ultros is a psychedelic Metroidvania where you wake up stranded on the sarcophagus, a cosmic uterus holding an ancient demonic being trapped in the loop of a dark hole. You will have to explore the sarcophagus and meet its inhabitants to discover the part you play. Dot dot dot. I wasn't going to say uterus metrovania, but I guess but the they description say does. it in yeah. the marketing. So I think it's, yeah. Um, so this game is, is quite different than <laughs> any metroidvania yeah. I've ever played to yeah. say the least. Um, this game was first put on my radar by friend of the show, Jill Grote, the Indian former, um, when she was on on the show recently, and she mentioned this one as most one of her most anticipated games of the year, so I, I made sure to check it out, and um, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. I I think the the biggest standouts for me with this game are the art style and the music. Mm-hmm. Aesthetically, I think the site the term psychedelic is perfect because it's yep. just the coolest hand drawn, colorful, just like vibrant doesn't do it justice because it's just like this is such a a pretty game Mm -hmm. um and the demonic being and uterus elements just (laughs) add 
when we're talking about compelling settings, like this yep. is stylistically one of the most unique games I've I've ever seen. And so mm-hmm. for that, I think it's yeah, it's I've been really enjoying my time with it. What do you think so far? Because I you played a little bit. Yeah, I, I just started playing it today. Um, so I played about you know forty five minutes to an hour so far. Um, mm-hmm. And I'd love to paint like a word picture of what psychedelic actually means in practice. If you remember the you know the Psychonauts two sort of psychedelic level mm-hmm. like imagine like that exact color palette it is a lot of light like neon greens neon pinks uh you know maybe some deeper greens a little purple um artistically it's really interesting um it's alien but also at the t- at the same time it's like it's like what about an alien forest um but you know yeah. trees and plants don't look in the same way that we sort of expect them to um I, it straddles I'm glad this you line. Out the art style. Yeah, it straddles this line between like cute yeah. and also a little bit unnerving slash yeah. uncomfortable. You know what I mean? It threads this really interesting balance. That I, what do you think so far? Yeah, it's just to hit on that point. It's like, what if if you if you remember insanely twisted Shadow Planet? Yeah, sort of like that. Yeah, but I like see that. way more. W- it's womb, like dialed up to a like i think of yeah <laughs> a lot of like womb analogs in in the stuff that i've seen so far um the animation at least in some of the, the creatures that i've seen it is pretty neat um but sure. I, i've been enjoying it because the um yeah. the thing that i always go to with metrovanias is like what is the, the the number one thing for me is like how does it feel to control your player character and mm-hmm. in my short time playing it already i'm just like ooh, the the combat snappy uh, the jumping is not as snappy as the combat, but like it, it feels good. Um, sure. I always hate to like say it feels good when like we're trying to describe what it's like to play a video game, but everything but I think is for a Metroidvania. Really well. That's really important. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you've obviously played more, and I'm assuming based on you know the structure of this game that um there are upgrades that you end up gathering that may not only help your weapons which the first weapon that i have is a little sword uh, but i'm assuming it upgrades your weapons and it also upgrades your traversal is that fair to say yes definitely it it follows that i think in concept that typical metroidvania progression loop mm-hmm. i think where this game really differs is when we get into that cute yet also uncomfortable element where it's like um, one of the key mechanics in the game is a gardening mechanic where you are collecting objects that you are then planting and growing these beautiful, vibrant colored organisms in the world that are then spawning seeds mm-hmm. um, that then your character can use as upgrade currency and different things like that. And then, but the the key part with the uncomfortable element that I'll, I'll touch on here is that you're defeating enemies and then you're like, Guts. their appendages and yeah. guts and you're using that as health and you're using that as upgrades so it's like this is where you're getting this cute edgy uncomfortable yeah. like we're different and i think it's quite striking and it is immediately like oh okay this isn't this isn't just a metroidvania like mm-hmm. this is a unique gameplay twist and then on top of that we got into kind of a time loop mechanic that add additional layers but I found the upgrade path um, re- really, really cool. But I, I think at a base level, I just 100% agree with what you said, that like this game feels really good to play. And I think as you continue to upgrade, it continues to feel really good to play. And I think that's like 
that's like the biggest question I always have with a Metroidvania is like, is it fun to continue to play and explore? And it's like, yes, it's really fun to move through this world. And it's, it's a compelling world at that. It's like, what if you were in like a Ridley Scott movie, but it was also an alien drug trip? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's don't a know great where pitch. that came from, but no, there you that's go. perfect. That's Words. it. Um, it. Tell me about the, uh, the music in this one. Um, how are you finding the music so far? The the best description for the music is it's just like it's just such a vibe. Like yeah. it's just like this game's actually quite relaxing in a sense. I was playing it on my <laughs> Steam Deck of just like moving through the world and mm-hmm. winding down at the end of the day and exploring new areas and I think the combat is really fun and engaging, but I didn't find it like stressful. Mm-hmm. So it's a nice one to just like vibe out, explore the world and find new upgrades, kind of grind a little bit in previous areas you've been in, use that to get new abilities to explore new areas. The new abilities add like without spoiling a ton, like different levels of verticality where you can like move through, you can move vertically in different spaces Mm -hmm. and you can um, platform faster or more proficiently off of objects or different Mm -hmm. things like that. And um, I think they do a really nice job about um, adding to that aesthetic and the music only complements the the compelling setting mm-hmm. of the game. Um, upgrades. Uh, yeah. I've done a few of them. Uh, some of them were basically like, hey, you, you get a sword very early. It's like the first weapon. You get it within the first five minutes. This is not a spoiler. Uh, but some of the early upgrades are like, hey, add a third slash Or like maybe you can, you know, when you're jumping, you can add a sort of slash down as you're as you're coming down Um, outside of traversal, more combat. um, What sort of other upgrades should players come to expect as they play? Um, There's there's quite a variety. And as you continue to unlock the the web expands out more where you have Mm -hmm. more options after the fact, I was getting things like. Uh, a dodge kick or different things where um, you can kick enemies into other enemies or objects into different things in different ways. Um, All the platforming abilities I found really effective in combat scenarios as well, because once you get into some later bosses, they're quite large and you have to move around the space that you're in, in order Mm -hmm. to survive the fight. So a lot of those platforming abilities really came in clutch where, your slide ability does more damage or you're able to double jump over an enemy and then um, do a parry ability, which I think this game does parries quite well because mm-hmm. it's like very apparent when to use them. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's really satisfying to platform over an enemy, slide into them, cause damage, knocking them down and then using that parry ability to do a final strike. So just getting into this like awesome flow state of combat, I found really satisfying over time. Yeah, Even like the simple stuff, like the role is, is very like dead cells esque, which yeah. I, which I really mm-hmm. liked. Like it had that same like sense of momentum. Totally. Um, and the thing I appreciated is that um, they really encourage you to like vary that your combat, because if you keep using the same move or if you like miss a dodge and then sort of attack after a dodge, um, it affects the, quality of the guts that you end up getting so that you actually Mm -hmm. get less out of them for upgrades so of course you know the guts are worse you slash up the guts but to your point then that the theme of this episode is cool stakes in games and making you play (laughs) in unique ways and so i i think that i i enjoyed that bit 
did Kepler just decide to to launch you know games with with good stakes within a week of each other? Because if so, well done. Uh, we Kudos. didn't say this one's on everything. It's on PS4, PS5, PC, Mac at least to start. Um, but uh, you've played it like six, seven hours. So you're probably getting closer to the end of this thing, right? So I don't think I am. And here's oh. where the caveat we get into. Okay. Um, so I ran into a couple situations where I made it to environments that in the moment I felt like I couldn't get out of mm. because I felt like I didn't have an ability or I didn't save a seed in order to grow a plant mm -hmm. to then be able to platform out. So I thought I was stuck in, oh. a, in a couple situations. So I restarted twice. Oh, I shoot. Think. Okay. Um, but the game's opening section is so quick. And if you know what you're doing, you can get through things really fast. So I would say like, I am like, Eight, eight hours on the game clock but i think i'm like five hours into the game if you okay. will yep but then later once i progressed further it turns out i just wasn't making use of certain mechanics that i oh, needed okay. in order to get out of environments so no fault of the game it just was me not quite it's player air keeping it's up with the error. systems yeah totally so 100 percent on me but i just wanted to flag it because it I should be further than I am because I think the game's about 12 hours, give or take, just to main path it. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm, I, I think I'm like halfway-ish. So, yeah, I think, uh, how long beats it? Eight to nine, but like there's only okay. three players. There's only three players on it so far. So right. like, so like it, average, I think it's probably a little longer, but it's, it's not a, it's not a daunting game in terms of length. So it, it's, it's been, it also, it's worth noting too, I've been playing on Steam Deck. It runs great on steam deck so it's a That's really I'm playing. nice like portable experience this year so yeah highly recommend it on that apart from vibes mm -hmm. what do you think really separates this one from like other metroidvanias um and really how does it stand up against the genre i guess yeah i think the the emphasis on interesting combat and then the time loop element mm -hmm. i think are the two factors um, something we haven't touched on is within the time loop mechanic as each loop restarts, mm -hmm. so do your abilities, but over time you are able to unlock certain abilities permanently. Oh. So, um, you're able to say like, I always want to have a double jump. I don't want to have to unlock my double jump. I want to have my double jump. You have to earn that currency to be able to do that, but it adds an interesting like risk reward thing of like, you can kind of have different builds early on in the game if you, which I, I only know because I had to restart it a couple times <laughs> because I, I tried out some different stuff just to see. Mm -hmm. um, but like focusing on platforming skills versus combat stuff early on can kind of affect how you're able to move through different spaces. So I, I think for me, that's the big standout feature mm -hmm. aside from the vibes, as we said, because I was thinking about Prince of Persia a lot while I was playing mm -hmm. this, because I also just played that this yep. year. And I think there are elements that game does better, but I also mm -hmm. think there are unique things that make this also a compelling package as well. Yeah. And that one's a little bit longer too. So like you're, you're sort of in for a lot more with the Prince of Persia. So if you're looking for something shorter and sweeter, this might be a little bit more yeah, and what you want. The one thing I'll give Prince of Persia the edge up on is that um, their map system, I think, mm -hmm. is immaculate. There's a mechanic in Prince of Persia where you can take a picture of a given area that then tags to your map. So then you can remember 
what the obstacle you couldn't pass was, what the thing that you were trying to do in that area was. So then when you unlock that ability or that option, you refer back to your map and you remember what you were doing. Whereas that was an issue I ran into in Ultros a little bit because the map is pretty expansive and mm -hmm. big and it was hard to keep track of like, I was over there. What was going yep. on over there? They have um, it just like, like a key, adds a little, a little symbol. There's yeah. some, they give you something that's like, um, like where I currently am, I don't have the ability to get through the like, um, the gooey like black misty vine stuff. So I think there's like a little icon on my map that's like gooey black vines. Yeah. Um, What's the universal so, symbol for black gooey vines? I, I couldn't tell you. Um, <laughs> um, but so things like that. So it, they they do try, but it's just like I don't think it's as like clear and intuitive as Prince of Persia, but different games. But I, I think there's compelling things about each one for sure. Okay. Uh, I'm going to ask you a, a last question that is sure. um, a little for me, a little for the listener. Um, how would you sell this game? Cause you know, there's a thousand things coming out. You know, we are, we are days away from, from rebirth at this point. Sure. Um, tell me like why I need to keep going with this game. I probably will, but like give me some words of encouragement on it. Cause I haven't hit the time loop mechanic yet sure. and then i'd love for you to like let players know your final verdict to say hey is this a game they should play or not absolutely so i think in ter solely in terms of art direction and vibes alone i think this is one of the most unique games of the year mm -hmm. it's gorgeous i think the combat is incredibly fun i think they're doing unique things within the metroidvania formula within mm -hmm. the guts eating and seed gardening <laughs> upgrade system um and i think that all packaged together in a nice, concise, portable or not portable, depending on how you want to play it, quality Metroidvania experience, I think is a perfect palate cleanser between these giant titles of the Yakuza's um, Final the Persona Fantasy. Persona 3s, like, the Final The Persona Fantasies. 3s, all these giant, wonderful games. It's like, it's a breath of fresh air to have a nice, like, 10-ish hour experience that's really high quality, really unique and really really striking love it uh i'm gonna keep playing this one uh you're gonna keep playing this one uh again that was ultros uh that one's available on ps4 ps5 steam epic game store we both played it on steam deck and loved it that way so maybe it's maybe it's a good one for your steam deck uh any other thoughts yeah. about either pacific drive or ultros before we close this bad boy I don't think so, but two really banger titles from, from Kepler. Big shout out to Jenny and the team um, for the support of the show and letting us cover these games. It's been a blast. And, you know, it's we we, we cover games pre-release pre here and there, but it it's it's really exciting and it doesn't at all influence or affect our opinions of the game. But it is it is fun to have these big discussions, these big topical moments like on on the the launch day so listeners can get a first glimpse into what they can expect in the game so it was really exciting to do so thanks thank thanks again for that opportunity to the, those teams awesome uh luke i'm gonna hand it back to you to close us out all right and with that y'all we are setting our status to away until next time but until then i'm gonna ask you to do three things for us if you can give us a follow on twitter at crossplay convos if you can send this podcast to a friend, because that's how people hear about podcasts. And if you can give us a review on your podcast platform of choice, because it really, truly does help. And with that, y'all, let's take a drive and relax. Bye. Vroom, vroom. Vroom, vroom. Love it.